disease still here. It's a marathon. It be the worst it's not a sprint. This year, but we, the are, worst we are not really even halfway through, even though we hit the peak. Trials for the believer have a purpose that this is a testing of our faith. Social distancing's working, and now leaders are looking at ways to reopen the economy. What a return to normal may look like if, in fact, things do get underway. We are so blessed as believers to have an internal perspective on what's happening in the world around us. This obstacle, it's just created an opportunity if you're a believer. We have to not spectate, but participate to actually share the message of hope that we have. The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Will you pass the test? What's up, City Light? Good morning. Hope you guys are doing well, hanging in there, just hearing from the Lord, trying to make it day by day and follow his call in your life in the midst of this crazy and unusual season. So today we're going to be at 1 Peter, verses 3 through 9, uh, chapter 1. Go ahead and open your Bibles, turn there. We're in the middle of a series called Will You Pass the Test? And so you want to go ahead and write that down in your notebook. That's what we're going to be talking about today as well as next week as we continue through 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Last week we talked about how the test reveals the truth from verses 6 and 7. Just want to reiterate how important that time together was, how important it is for every single one of us listening to this to be self-aware to know the condition of our soul, to know where we really stand before God, to know what's really going on. And I think the Lord is using this season amongst many things, but definitely as a test for to reveal information to us so that we can really know. So please go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. So before we jump into the sermon today, though, I want to encourage you real quick about some of the amazing things that God is doing in and through this church. So even in the midst of a pandemic, you guys, City Light Church, City Light family, are really stepping up in amazing ways by being generous, by serving, by being generous with your resources, with your time, by acting in faith. And so just a reminder, I know I've mentioned this a few times, but now for five weeks running, we have served almost 100 families every week. We have joined together to bless them with groceries that are needed, with hot meals. Uh, Mark's Pub has been gracious to work with us for the last four to five weeks to supply fresh hot meals on Wednesday nights. And that has been an amazing thing that we have been doing together. Uh, last Wednesday, we delivered 535 meals that night. That was our record set. We've been increasing every week since then. And so God's been really doing some amazing things. And I have a quick story to share with you about that. But what I want you to see real quick is an awesome video that was made about our service at Mark's Pub, about the difference you guys are making. So why don't you go ahead and check this out real fast. The problem with the scenarios that people are in right now is not supply but access. For every thousand families who are on free and reduced price lunch during school year, uh, 250 of those actually come to pick up the lunch that's provided at locations around the area. So that's 750 other people uh, who can't get what they need simply because they don't have access. 
Uh, we're here to partner with a local organization uh, to provide access to, to food and to things that families need. Uh, so Mark's Pub has been really gracious to cook 250 hot meals tonight and our people are coming through the drive-thru uh, getting some hot meals and delivering it to local families uh, who are in urgent need during this time. I think one of the things that we've really tried to communicate uh, to our people and we've really seen them uh, buy into is that this is not an obstacle, this is an opportunity. That this whole crisis has created an environment that is rich for the harvest, uh, that this is a problem that can be solved and that people can be served, uh, and that opportunities are boundless in this time. And so we really want our people to be able to see that. Uh, it's been unique to say, man, we just planted a church like six months ago. Who knew that this would be the world we're living in? Uh, but our people have been bought in, we came here to make a difference, and this kind of thing is precisely what the church is built for. Something we've said often is it's not time for panic, but for purpose. And so let's live out our purpose together, and let's watch God work uh, in the midst of this situation. Let's see God do great things. So amen. Praise God. Hey, why don't you at your house there, just give the Lord some praise. Thank him for what he's doing. Give him a clap. My friends here, we'll give you a clap together. Our little mini church going on here. Uh, why don't you just give the Lord some thanks. God is doing some amazing things in and through you. That is just one video example of all the things that have been going on. Uh, last Wednesday, just to give you a quick story, we had a few meals left over um, from all the meals that they had made. They had made more than we expected. And so we had some leftover. So we were trying to figure out what to do. So what I ended up doing was just put them in my car and just began to drive by the neighborhoods, uh, both where we were originally and then the ones right by our church. Uh, just to ask a very weird question to people walking by, would you like some free food, uh, some restaurant food? So imagine me driving around my, my little car, my little SUV, and rolling down the window. And, you know, I was trying to find families, you know, with, namely with kids and things like that. Uh, so it would usually be moms, and I'd be like rolling down my window and be like, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, I have some free food. I have some food from a restaurant. And I would explain we have food. And they would be real hesitant at first, you know. And then I'd be like, it's from a restaurant, like a real restaurant. You know, then they would start to listen. And I'd be like, I'm a pastor at a local church. We just did a big giveaway. I have extra food. They just made it. Real restaurant. I promise it's good. Uh, and the Lord was able to open up some doors through that initial awkward conversation. At one point, people were so excited. They were just like right by my car, grabbing food out of the car. Uh, and I was able to share the gospel and give them some city like cards uh, and then as I was pulling out so I ended up my last stop before I came back to the, the church was at uh, Monticello Apartments which is right down the road from here and I had driven by I had met a couple families but didn't have that much success uh, there wasn't a ton of people out and about. And as I was leaving, I saw a guy chasing a soccer ball out in front of me, you know, so I stopped. And then I saw him go back kind of behind this dumpster area, and there was like 15 dudes playing soccer. Uh, definitely, you know, social distancing over there. They were playing soccer, and I was like, well, I have uh, a significant amount of bags on my back. So I, I turned around, and I walked up, and I was like, hey, you know, random guy here, um, once again, I have a weird thing to offer you. I have a bunch of free food in my car, and we just made it. It's from a restaurant, uh, and they were, like, super receptive. It was really fun and cool. Uh, I ended up just 
pulling all these out of my car and dropping it uh, and then being able to pass them out. And they started eating it right there while they were playing. And they stopped playing for a little bit and were eating. And I was able to like share the gospel with them. And I felt like, do you know when Jesus multiplied the loaves and he's teaching them and everybody's just eating and hearing the gospel? That's what I felt like in that moment. Uh, But it was really cool just to be able to engage with them. And so all the opportunities that God has created, not only from the deliveries that we're making every week, but from food that's left over, from the ability to impact new communities, to meet new people. I'm just telling you, he's doing things in and through your life. Uh, We also have our basement now. There's a room down in the basement of this new facility that's full of like diapers, wipes, pantry supplies. We're adding an additional 100 families that we're going to be able to serve. That includes a lot of teen moms. And so I'm just telling you, I hope, I'm sure some of you have seen it. Some of you have been participating in it. Some of you at least heard it. But God is doing an amazing work. He's opening a ton of doors. People are getting saved. Lives are being changed. And so I want you to be encouraged and to remember everything that God is doing through your generosity, through your service. So whether the best, the most you can do is, you know, you're, you're staying at home, you're quarantined, and you can pray that God will continue to open these doors. Do that. Thank you so much for joining us that way. If you can give and continue to invest financially in what God is doing so that we can bless more and more people, please continue to do that. And then as well, if you can come and if you can participate in deliveries, drop food off at the church, whatever it may be, any way that we can do that as safely and as good as possible. God is working. God is moving. You guys are awesome. He's using City Light Church in this season. There's a reason why we planted a church right before a pandemic, all right? We didn't know that, but God did. And he sent us here, I really believe, significantly for this moment so that we could bless the community, so that we could know people, and so that God could use us to serve. So be thankful. I'm so thankful for you. So as we jump into the sermon today, the sermon today is called Don't Guess and Check. Don't guess and check. Turn to your neighbor, say, don't guess and check. Let's say, don't guess and check. Don't guess and check. That's the name of our sermon today. We're going to look at verses 3 through 5. And what we're going to see from the scriptures is that there's a high level of certainty and security in what God promises us. And I want that for each one of you. So the thing with most of us, though, is that we're guessing and checking with our soul. And we haven't even thought about it that way or realized it. So I want you to go ahead, be honest, raise your hand at home if you made your way through school by guessing and checking, all right? You're like, I have no idea how to solve an algebra equation. The only way I know what X equals is to keep shouting out numbers until the number's right and I can work myself backwards, all right? That's okay. Admit who you are. You just guess and check your way through and you made it. my, My oldest son does this all the time. He does this especially with reading. He also does it with math where we're reading. He's tired. He doesn't want to read anymore. And when a word comes up, he'll just guess a word that starts with the same letter. So he's not even trying to read the word. He's just thinking context. He's guessing, and if he helps, I'm not noticing. So I'm, daddy's tired too, everybody's tired. Uh, so he helps, I don't notice. But when I do, my response to him always is read the word, read the word. Actually read the word, do the work, get the word right. Don't just guess and check. So when I was thinking about this theme a little bit more, I did some online research, and I found out that there are definitions for guessing and checking. It isn't just a phrase or some sort of metaphor that we use. Here it is from from the internet, the very reliable internet. The strategy for the method guess and check is to guess a solution and then plug the guess back into the problem to see if you get the correct answer. Okay, this is a real strategy. If the answer is too big or too small, you make another guess that will get you closer to the goal, and then you continue guessing until you arrive at the correct solution. 
So this is the definition of what it means to guess and check. Now, in real life way of guessing and checking, the problem that we all have is that we need an answer for death. The problem we all have is that we need an answer for what comes after death. The problem that we're all realizing now, especially because of coronavirus, is that we have little to no control over our lives whatsoever. The problem we all have is that disease and death are rampant, corona or no corona. The Bible describes our greatest problem is that of sin and separation from God. So the very thing that unites us all, so whether you're here and like you're watching it on a couch with your friend, you never would come to church, whether you've been going to church forever, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, there's something that binds us, that unites us together, and it's the fact that we all have the same major problems in life. That no matter what your background is, where you come from, what language you speak, what your worldview is, we all have to answer the problem of death. We have to deal with it. We have to wonder what's after it. We need an answer to that. It's a problem. We all have the problem of diseases going around and, and the certain bad things that happen in the world because of the nature. We all have problems that we have to deal with together collectively. We all have problems inside of us, right? But whether you call it sin or not, whatever your perspective is on that, we all have something inside of us that's wrong that makes us want to do things we ought not to do. And we all know that. So we all have the same major basic problems. And what, what's happening with corona is what your solution is has been revealed as something that's a wrong solution. It's not working. You have guessed. Now it's getting checked and the answer's wrong. So what you thought would be your hope or your refuge or the answer to the problem of control, of death, of disease isn't actually working. And now you're scrambling for another solution. And what I want to present to you today is that God has the solution for you. So many of you have chosen the solution in Christ, but you're not living in it that way. You're not thinking about him as the solution to your present circumstances. And I want to go back to that for you, to your faith in Jesus, to help you not act like you're guessing and checking, to live a life of certainty, of truth. So let's dive into 1 Peter. We're going to read 3 through 9 again, even though we're just going to do 3 through 5. I think it would be good for you if you took the time to memorize these passages over the next few weeks. So verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, it's kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So today, as we navigate this word together, to help us not guess and check, but to have certainty with our lives, we're going to focus on the word hope. And what we're going to see from the scriptures today is that we have a living hope, a good hope, and a secure hope. And for many of you, today is going to be the day where you take where you've been putting your hope and you switch it and you put your hope into Jesus Christ, into who he is and what he has done for you. And for many of you today, it's going to be a reminder of who he really is, what having the hope of Jesus really means for you in the midst of a pandemic or elsewhere. 
and to put your feet back on the solid ground that is Jesus. So the first point is a living hope. We have a living hope. It says here, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now something that's important for you to understand is the Bible doesn't use the word hope like we do. So the way that we use the word hope is things like this. I hope, right, that my team wins the championship. Woo, roll tide. I hope, right, some of y'all, a lot of y'all be like, I hope that girl says yes when I ask her out next week, you know. I hope that this thing goes well. We say hope like a wish. Hope means wish for us. It's a wish. You, could, you might as well say I wish. It's the same thing even with big deals. Like I hope I don't get COVID-19. I hope that this circumstance ends quickly. I hope I made the right decision moving to that place, taking that job, marrying that person. I hope. And what you mean by I hope is I wish. You don't really know. It's a wish. And that's how we're used to using the word hope. And some of you are using the word hope like this for your eternity, for your soul, for what happens for you after you die, for the rock that you want to stand on in the midst of uncertainty. You're using the word hope like a wish, and you're saying, I hope I made the right decision. I hope the thing I really trust in will hold ground. I hope that this will really work out for me in the end, but you don't know. Because your hope is a wish. It's not certain. And this time is revealing to us, to so many of us, just how unsure we actually are. How unsure what you've trusted in actually is, how unsure your life actually is, how unsure your solution to the problem of death, disease, and all those other things is. You're unsure. And so many of us, even who have trusted in Jesus, still struggle with being unsure. And so what I want to do today is help you put your feet on firm ground. You don't need to guess and check. Jesus has done the work already so you can know the answer. So living hope, this is where we're starting, living hope. The Bible, as opposed to you and me, doesn't use the word hope like this, ever. Hope is not a wish in the Bible. When the Bible talks about hope, it's talking about a guarantee, something that's true, something that's certain. Hope in the Bible is certain. Hope in the Bible is unchangeable. Hope in the Bible is a guarantee. It will happen. So let me give you another scripture to support this from Ephesians 1. Verses 15 through 23, it says this. For this reason, Paul says, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Here it is, that you may know what is the, say it at home with me, hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
So what we're going to see from this text and what we see from 1 Peter is that hope is a calling. Hope is an inheritance. Hope is a guarantee. And it's a guarantee given by God's immeasurable power. The power that God revealed when he raised Jesus from the dead. The power that God revealed when he created the universe. God's power is what guarantees our hope. This is what's so important about understanding the Bible's version, the Bible's use of the word hope. So something for you to write down is this. A living hope can only be given by a living being. A living hope can only be given by a living being. God can guarantee and keep your hope alive because he is alive. He will always be alive. And so many of us have put our hope in something dead. A dead place, a dead person, a dead idea, whatever it might be, we've put our hope there and dead creates dead. But only that which is living can give a living hope. This living hope, as the text said, is provided through an event that gives life, namely the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So here it is for you and for me, okay? Because Jesus is alive, my hope, your hope, if you've trusted in him, is alive. I'm telling you, just think about that in the midst of a pandemic. Because Jesus is alive, not dead. Your hope is alive. And pandemic, no pandemic, right? Corona, no corona. Car crash, no car crash. Cancer, no cancer. Can take away this hope. Because no matter what changes around you here, Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still on the throne. His promises are still certain. Because Jesus doesn't make wishes. Jesus gives guarantees. Jesus has never made a wish. He doesn't think like that. He, he speaks and things come to pass. So because Jesus is alive, so is your hope. Today, in this very moment, in this very situation, your hope is alive, not because your circumstances are great, not because you know exactly what tomorrow brings, but because Jesus is alive. And Jesus has guaranteed your hope. A living hope can only from, come from a living being. So where is your hope coming from? Where is your hope rooted in? Is your hope rooted in a resurrection? Is your hope coming from a living being? Or has your hope been coming from a dead place and just now the circumstances that you're in have revealed it to be a dead place? I wanna encourage you today that God wants you to have a living hope. You don't have to guess and check. You can know for certain, you can know the truth. So that's number one, a living hope. The second kind of hope that you can have that is certain is a good hope. Look at verse four, a living hope and a good hope. God wants to give you and has promised this to those who have already trusted him, an inheritance, that is three words, say it with me at home. I'm reading the ESV, so you might have different words, but imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. So your inheritance, your hope, your solution that is sure and guaranteed, something you don't have to guess and check, something you can know, is not only alive and living, but the quality of it is good. Right? So something can be alive, but bad. Just because it's living doesn't mean it's a good thing. Right? The quality could be bad. What it offers could be bad. What it brings to the world could be bad. What it brings to you could be bad. But God's hope is not this way. Some of you have hoped for things that are bad, that if you got, would have been bad for you. God's hope never disappoints like this. God's hope is always good. It's a good hope. So let's just look at those three words real quickly together. Number one, it's an imperishable hope. It's a hope that never dies. A hope that never dies. 
So quickly now, where is your hope? Is it in something that can die eventually, ever? Right? Is your hope in that job that maybe you just got and is fantastic, but obviously could one day go away? Is your hope, and some of you now in that situation have had that revealed to you to say, man, that's really where I put my hope. Is your hope in your health, which can obviously die and go away? Is your hope in a family member or another person, which can obviously die and go away? Where is your hope? Is it in a bank account? Where is your hope? Is it in a place that never dies? God wants you to put your hope in a certain place, a place that is imperishable, one that never dies. So with every one of these words, I'm gonna give you a quick little word picture, okay? Some of you in this way, your hope is like a tank of gas, all right? And you've been using it and using it and using it and eventually it has run out and you have nowhere else to go. You have run out of gas. There's no gas stations around. Your hope was perishable and it wasn't imperishable. So you were driving it, you were using it, it was getting you to certain places, but when the rubber hits the road, when the time comes when you need it to never die, it has run out on you. So how many of you right now has your hope run out on you? It's gone. Everything that you put your trust in your life and your hope in was really just a wish. And just like a tank of gas, it had a time limit and it was gone. God wants to give you a hope that is imperishable. Secondly, a hope that is undefiled. So not only does he want to give you a hope that never dies, but he wants to give you a hope that never disappoints. Undefiled, perfectly pure. A hope that can't spoil. It never disappoints. So you won't experience the hope and the life that God has for you and taste it and be like, eh, not so great. You won't get to the hope God has for you and experience it now or then and be like, no, nah, that's, not, that's not so good. God could have made something better. This isn't perfectly pure. This isn't perfectly good. No, no, no. Everything about God's hope, about God's life, about God's promises, about heaven, about his presence here with you now, about God's plan, all of that is undefiled. It's perfectly pure. It's a hope that won't spoil, a hope that will never disappoint. So I want you to have this word picture about your hope, okay? Some of you, right, your hope is like a tank of gas. You've been using it and now it's run out and you have no answers. Some of you, okay, your hope is like a banana, all right? And the more it waits and the more it sits there, the more it becomes unusable as it spoils. A banana doesn't last forever. It eventually disappoints. All right, so you got a tank of gas, if that helps some of you, or maybe a banana, and you've been holding your hope like a banana and holding on to it and hoping it would stay the same, but eventually it has spoiled because it's not imperishable, because it's not connected like God's hope is, and your hope, just like a banana in your cabinet, right, when it gets all black and smushy and you can't use it for nothing and you got to clean your cabinet out because it smells terrible now, right, that's what some of our hopes are being exposed as. Right? During corona, your hope has not only run out, your hope has been spoiled. Your hope has been revealed as defective. Your hope has started to get spots. Your hope has started to smell bad. Your hope, which once looked great, right, like a new banana, is beginning to spoil right in front of your eyes. And corona is doing that around you. And this is God's gift to you so that you don't put your hope there. God wants to give you something that never spoils God wants to give you something that will never disappoint. Thirdly, unfading. Your hope is imperishable, it never dies. God's hope is undefiled, it never disappoints. 
And God's hope is unfading. It never diminishes, never dies, never disappoints, never diminishes. God's hope is unfading. I looked up the definition of unfading because it seems obvious, but I wanted to get, you know, Webster on it. See what Unfading technically means that it doesn't lose brightness, vitality, or strength. It will not wear out. I love that, wear out. Some of you have been putting your hope in some place and it's doing okay, but it's just wearing out. So here's another word picture for you, okay? First, you got your tank of gas, your hope's running out. Now you got your banana, your hope is spoiling. Third, think of a piece of chalk, all right? One of these is gonna help you, okay, one of them. Think of a piece of chalk. The more you use it, the more it goes away. It fades, it wears out, all right? So I'm a parent of four, I have to buy chalk all the time because if my kids use it, it goes away. So think about your hope, but your hope's been in your hand, right? And you've been using it, you know, your bank account's been growing or your health has been doing okay or whatever it might be. The job's going well, the girl said yes, you know, whatever, things are fine. And you're using that chalk, and you're putting your hope in all these places. But with every one of those times you put your hope in something in this world, you're like using it. And eventually that thing's just gonna run out. This will not last forever. Things will not go well like that in this world forever. This will not work out forever. And even if it does for a long time, this will not be there when you need it on that final day when you stand before God. This does not answer your death problem, your disease problem, any of those things. Your hope has been wearing out in front of your very eyes. And this certain situation that we're in has been doing that. And once again, this is God's gift to you. God wants to give you a hope that doesn't wear out. This is heaven, okay? Some of you, if you think you're going to be bored with heaven, you need to check again. You need to realize who God is and what God is doing. That heaven is a place that nothing wears out, that nothing goes bad, that nothing spoils, that everything continually just gets better. So unlike most of our experiences here on this earth, where we use things and they wear out, or we get used to good things are not as great anymore, things tend to decline at some level. Heaven is the opposite, where tends thing to get better. Things tend to get better. I think I said tends thing to get better. Things tend to get better over time. And that all of eternity is an ever-increasing betterness, that things don't wear out, they gain traction, they get better, they get more. And so this is the inheritance God wants to give to you, something that never dies, it's imperishable, not like a tank of gas, something that never disappoints, it's undefiled, right? Not like a spoiled banana. And something that never diminishes, it's unfading, not like a piece of chalk. And I want you to think about where you have been pushing your hope and how is that playing out now in the situation that you're in. The opposite of a living hope is a dead one and the opposite of a good hope is a bad one. And some of your hopes now are being exposed as dead and bad. And God wants to reveal that to you so he can offer you a living hope and a good hope. And so I ask you to receive that from him today. All right, finally, you have a living hope, a good hope. And now, don't guess and check, you can have a secure hope. So don't guess and check, your hope can be alive, not dead. You can know that for certain. The greatest answer to the problem of death is that Jesus came and died for us so that we can live with him, right? You don't have to guess and check. You can have a good hope, a quality hope. You can know that for certain. And finally, your hope can be secure. Look at this, verse four. An inheritance as imperishable, undefiled, undefading. This word right here, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So I want those two words to stand out to you, kept and guarded. 
kept and guarded, kept and guardly. This heavenly inheritance is being kept in heaven for you, for you. I love how personal this is from the Lord. He is keeping it for you by name, right? By his grace, he's keeping an inheritance, not just a general one he'll divvy up later. He's got something for Nate Crew. And I'm an idiot, you know, and he's got something for me because of Jesus. And if you've trusted in Jesus, he has something for you. He's keeping just for you. It's an inheritance tailor-made for you. And that's amazing. And he's keeping it for you. And look, not only is he keeping your inheritance secure in heaven, but he's guarding you now. He's guarding you now. You can write this down. The inheritance is being kept and the inheritor, the person, is being guarded. This is important because hope isn't just for later, but for now. So, so many of you are like, okay, great, heaven, fantastic. If the worst thing happened with corona and I died, I would at least be in heaven, that's good. But that still doesn't necessarily solve all my present issues with it and the fears that go around it. I understand that's great, but what about right now, Nate? What about right now? And I want you to see that not only is this hope of heaven helpful to you now, but God is keeping that for you and he's guarding you now. Look at that, it says it right there. It's kept in heaven, who who being you, the person, by God's power are being guarded through faith. So God is keeping your inheritance and he is guarding you through the faith that he has given you so that as the verse says, he can reveal salvation to you in the last time. So God is keeping it, God is guarding you and God's power is what guarantees both of these things. So I just wanna close with this final thought, just so you see how personal and how good, not only secure or certain truthful this is, you don't have to guess and check, but how wonderful and good this is. You guys all know this kind of way of life, how you save a seat for somebody, right? So you're going to a concert, you're going to, even you're coming to church, you know, and it's somebody is saving you a seat. And usually what happens when you have to save a seat, right, is you have to fend some people off. And you're kicking people, you're knocking them down, whatever it might be, you have to save a seat. You say, no, you can't sit there, I'm saving this seat. I'm keeping this seat. I'm guarding this seat for this person that is to come. And when they show up and get here, this seat will be ready for them. And I've kept people away. I've guarded it. I've made it ready. And the reason I did that is because I have personal feelings and love for the person that I'm saving this seat for. The reason I went through all the trouble to guard and to keep and to bless this person with the seat was because I love them. And I want you to see the same way that we do that for one another, God is doing that for you. God is saving your seed. God is keeping your inheritance. God is guarding it for you and he's guarding you. And he's keeping away all the things that could challenge it, all the things that could take it away. No one's gonna get through God's power. He is securing it for you. He is saving a seat for you by name because he loves you. And so for many of you, I hope this encourages you and gives you a firm ground to stand on right now, that God sees you, that God has offered you a living hope, a good hope, and a secure hope, and he is saving your seat, a personal effort by God for you because he loves you. And for so many of you, I hope you're listening to this and that you can know that God wants to save your seat. God wants to give you this inheritance. God wants to bless you with these promises. But the only thing that is needed from you is your faith in him. 
that you would trust in him today, that this pandemic and situation reveal all your dead hopes, all your bad hopes, all your insecure hopes, everything you've trusted in in the world, and that you would choose today to repent from all your sins, all your trust in other places, that you would trust in the Lord and Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection for you. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. He rose from the dead to secure your victory if you would believe and trust in him. God wants to give you this sure hope. You do not have to guess and check with your eternity. You do not have to guess and check with your soul. You do not have to guess and check with your life. You can know for certain you can have a sure hope, a living hope, a good hope, and a secure hope. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this living hope that you offer to us. We thank you for your grace and your goodness in providing that for us. We thank you, Lord, for your love that you have poured out over us. We thank you, Lord, that our inheritance is untouchable, Lord, that it never disappoints, that it never dies, it never diminishes. Just pray, Lord, that you would help your people today grab hold of, remember, be rejuvenated, be inspired, be thankful, be grateful for this living, secure, good hope that they have. God, may you just renew our strength in this today. And I pray for everyone listening to this that doesn't have that hope, that they would receive that this morning through repentance and faith in Jesus. And that you would use this time together online in people's homes and couches or wherever to do a spiritual work of helping us put our feet on solid ground by receiving the sure, certain promise of your hope. We love you, Lord. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody set at home. Amen.